Hey everyone, I hope that you are doing well. Welcome back to the College Age Movement podcast. Hey, we got to join last night in person for the first time in almost three months, and it was absolutely incredible. But one of the things that we are going to continue to do is create online content. Uh, What we understand is that some people aren't comfortable coming quite yet to in-person gatherings. We also know there's people in different cities, even in different states, um, that want to engage with the college-age community. So we will continue to do podcasts. You can check out our social media. Uh, We're going to have IGTV, uh, sermonettes, and ways to engage through the Bible app, all different kinds of stuff on there. So uh, if you're tuning into this podcast, I hope that you are doing well, no matter where you're at. And uh, what we want to do is we want to continue our series in the book of Mark. And so we're going to be in part four of this series. If you've missed anything uh, before this, you can check it out here on the podcast, or you can uh, go over to our Instagram and check it out on IGTV. But uh, we, we've been walking through the book of Mark, and this gospel is absolutely incredible. Mark is kind of a no-nonsense, get-right-to-the-point type of guy, and he tells these stories that are uh, sometimes into the other gospels, but the way that he communicates is just so unique, and that's what I love about the gospels, that all four of them communicate uh, just the message of Jesus and the life of Jesus in such a unique way, and there's so much that we can garner out of each and every one of them. A couple weeks ago, in part three, we talked about the story of Jesus healing a blind man and it taking... Uh, two touches that Jesus touches the man's eyes and he says, Hey, can you see? And he says, I can see better, but everything looks like trees moving around. And so he touches him again and he finds complete healing. And the main point from that sermon was that Jesus is willing to give a second touch. And my prayer is that we would be people who understand that just because something doesn't happen in our time frame or something that doesn't happen exactly the way that we want it to happen, we would be people who bring those petitions back to Jesus and say, hey, this needs a second go. I need you to touch this part of my life again. I need your healing. I need your wisdom. I need whatever it may be. And we would understand that God cares enough to give us a second touch. So this week, we're going to be in the book of Mark, but chapter 10, and uh, verses 20, 17 through 27, excuse me. And I don't know about you, but I love the message translation, and some people have a problem with it, and that's that's they're perfectly entitled to that opinion. But what I've found is that so often I can read stories that I've read so many times throughout my life as I follow Jesus, and I just need a, a new translation. I just need somebody else to speak the same story in in almost a different language for something to be pulled out of the story that I didn't maybe recognize before or something that I needed to be reminded of that had became monotonous as I like memorize the story and the translation that I read all the time. So Mark chapter 10 verses 17 through 27 in the message says this. It says, as he went out into the street, a man came running up and greeted him with great reverence and asked, good teacher, what must I do to get eternal life? Jesus said, why are you calling me good? No one is good, only God. You know the commandments. Don't murder, don't commit adultery, don't steal, don't lie, don't cheat. Honor your father and mother. He said, teacher, I have from my youth kept them all. Jesus looked him hard in the eye and loved him. He said, there's one thing left. Go sell whatever you own and give it to the poor. All your wealth will be then heavenly wealth and then come follow me. The man's face clouded over. This was the last thing he expected to hear, and he walked off with a heavy heart. He was holding on tight to a lot of things, and he wasn't about to let go. Looking at his disciples, Jesus said, Do you have any idea how difficult it is for people who have it all to enter God's kingdom? The disciples couldn't believe what they were hearing, but Jesus kept on. You can't imagine how difficult. I'd say it's easier for a camel to go through a needle's eye than for the rich to get into God's kingdom. 
That set the disciples back on their heels. Then who has any chance at all, they asked. Jesus was blunt. No chance at all if you think you can pull it off by yourself. Every chance in the world if you let God do it. So what I want to do this week is I just want to ask a few questions that we can engage with uh, over the next week. The first question is this. Are we approaching God with great reverence? Are we approaching God with great reverence? While the man in the story often comes off as a failure, he was certain of Jesus's power and he desperately desired to hear what God had to say. He knew who Jesus was. He knew that he was the son of God. He knew that there was something significant about him and he wanted to hear what he had to say. And I don't know about you, but I often find myself approaching God as more of an assistant than my savior. It's like, hey, would it be awesome if you could get this thing done for me, God? There was, there's not a ton of respect, and that's what reverence is all about. The, the actual meaning of reverence means deep respect. And so I have to ask myself the question, as I approach God, do I have a deep respect for who it is that I am speaking to? It's really interesting. A couple years ago, we had a man by the name of Bob Goff come and speak at our church, and I was absolutely floored to have him here. He's an unbelievable communicator. He's an unbelievable man of God and author, and I was just geeked out to, to meet him. So I weaseled my way onto the worship team, and I got to sing and because uh, I wanted to have the opportunity to get stuck in the green room with him. And I remember the week leading up to it, I was so nervous. And I was thinking about all the things that I wanted to say to him and, and how I would say it and all this stuff. And and he walked in and he, he looked exactly like I thought he was going to look. He wears the same thing almost all the time. He's just so happy. And the moment he walked in the room, I got so sick to my stomach nervous because I was just like, oh, my gosh, it's Bob Goff. That's the guy. And I walked to him, I was like, hey, Mr. Goff. And he's like, hey, let me stop you there. Just call me Bob. Just call me Bob. And then we got to have an incredible conversation. And shockingly, he's just a guy who loves Jesus a lot and is really good at communicating that. And he's not anything different than you or I. He's just a human being that God has put in specific places. And we had a really good conversation. And and I left that conversation and then reading the scripture, I, I think I had a similar I uh, thought back then that I had to be reminded of as I read this story is that he's just a human being. And I think I had more reverence for Bob Goff waiting for him and to speak to him than I did to actually sing or worship that weekend to my actual creator. And I had to check myself. I had more reverence for a human being who writes about Jesus than the reverence that I actually have for Jesus. You see, we don't have to be nervous about speaking to God, but we need to approach him with great reverence and let him set the tone. This is the beautiful thing about Jesus is this is what he does is we come before him with amazing respect and great reverence. And he goes, hey, I'm your friend. Hey, I'm your father. You don't have to to be nervous to speak to me. We can just talk, but we need to understand who it is that we're speaking to. We don't have to be nervous about speaking to Jesus, but we should absolutely recognize whom it is that we are speaking to. The second question I want to ask is, are we focused on religion or relationship? The man was living a solid life, no doubt. He wanted to make sure that he was right in his thinking that that he was doing the things that he was supposed to be doing, and he probably wanted a pat on the back from Jesus. He knew that he checked a ton of boxes. Boxes. If, if there was a gold star system, he was winning. Like His gold stars were off the page and onto the wall, but Jesus made it incredibly clear that it wasn't about any kind of point system or any kind of gold star system. It was about a commitment to actually following him. And I think for a lot of us, maybe it's just me. Uh, I think we tend to base how we're doing in a walk with Jesus with the last time that we had like a semi-major sin issue. 
for example, like I haven't done that specific thing that I know I struggle with in so long, so I'm doing great. But at the same time, we haven't really engaged in our relationship with Jesus. We haven't prayed. We haven't read scripture. We haven't done anything. Or on the flip side of that, we're like, man, I messed up. I, I've been sinning in this specific way, but man, I'm reading my Bible a ton. I'm, I'm engaging. I'm learning. I'm growing. But nope, I keep sinning in that way. I must be a dirty, rotten sinner. You see, we look at our relationship with Jesus too often as a scoreboard. There's not a scoreboard. We have to understand that. Like, Yes, we hope at the end of the day that we're more faithful than we are disobedient. But if we focus on that, we'll drive ourselves crazy. Like what metrics get us a point and what qualifies as a point lost? Like we, the scoring system is completely jacked and it doesn't make any sense. You see, the scoreboard is that Jesus did what he did on the cross and that means we win. We just need to focus on relationship over religion. You see, if we focus on relationship, it means that we're actually having conversations with Jesus and that's how we have any healthy relationship, right? Communication. So how do we have conversations with Jesus? And I think there's a lot of ways that God speak to us, but I want to highlight three. And you're going to sit there and be like, wow, Evan, that, that's really, really incredible stuff that you came up with. Those are the most obvious things in the world. But for me, as I looked at these three different ways of communicating with God or God speaking into my life, I was like, man, I need to work on all three of those things. The first one being this prayer. It's probably the most obvious, but it's also what many of us struggle to do with any kind of consistency. You see, we have to speak to God. We have to take time out of our days to actually speak to God. And if you've been a part of the College Age Movement family for a lengthy amount of time, you know we talk about this all the time, that we need to listen more than we speak. I say that all the time, and yet I fail at that all the time. I know it's true. I know that I don't just throw petition after petition after petition at God and then say bye. I need to stop and listen for what he has to say. And I would love the audible voice of God spoke and gave me direction, and that's not usually how it happens. But man, God prompts me when I listen and I need to be someone who's willing to stop and listen in my prayer life. The second way is scripture. I promise you this. If you are faithful in reading your Bible regularly, you will see so many things that pertain directly to your life. I don't know how you engage with scripture. I've tried so many different ways over uh, the 25 odd years that I've been following Jesus. And sometimes things work great and sometimes I bail on them. And uh, for the last couple of years, I've tried to do the Bible in a year reading plan. And then you get like five days behind and you're like so stressed out because you have a thousand chapters to read. And then it just becomes checking boxes instead of actually engaging with scripture. So I changed uh, to a Bible in three year plan. It's just a chapter a day. And I, I read a little commentary with it. And it's been so fruitful. And what I've understood is that even in, in the chapters of the Bible that I'm like, I don't really know what's going on here. I need, I need help. I, these words don't make sense together. Um, God still uses like a specific word in a, in a verse or a specific word in a passage and says, hey, this is what I want you to hold on to today. And it's amazing how relevant it is that something from yesterday is so relevant to today or something from today will be so relevant to what happened yesterday. And it, it, that's just the way scripture works. If we're, if we're faithful in that, if we're constantly reading the word of God, this, this amazing set of letters and poems and histories that, that God wanted us to have to be in relationship with him. If we're faithful in that, I promise God will speak to you through it. And then third community, God speaks through other people so often. So many people help me on a regular basis and I would be absolutely lost without their God given wisdom. So I just encourage you, surround yourself with people whose opinions you highly value and be someone that whose opinion is highly valued by other people. 
this COVID-19 situation has been so weird, um, not being able to have face-to-face interactions. And I got to have a, a coffee with a good friend of mine named Josh Gilligan. And it was just so life-giving that like within the first five minutes of conversation, I heard things that I need, had been needing to hear for the last nine weeks. And I just needed somebody to draw those things out of me and remind me of those things. And so community is absolutely vital that we have to understand that God will speak through people and God will speak through us into the lives of other people. Next, uh, the next question, do we recognize Jesus's love as he asks us to let go? The scripture says that Jesus looked at him hard in the eye and loved him and then asked him to give away all of his possessions. See, if we understand at a foundational level that Jesus loves us, that he will not ask us to do anything that isn't in our best interest, we are going to change everything. He loves us. He looks us hard in the eye You see, he knew that this young man was a good person. He knew that he was doing so many good things, but he also knew what was holding him back. He said, man, I'm so proud of you for doing all those other things, but there's something that is causing you to not step into everything that I have for you. And I think that goes for us too. Jesus knows who we are. He sees us. He sees you, every part of you. He just wants you to let go of that which is holding you back from the life that he wants for you. There's, some, there's something in all of our lives that we can say, hey, we could probably do without this. This would make us a better follower of Jesus. This would make us a better friend. This would make us a better husband, wife, uh, whatever it may be. We got, we got some stuff to let go of. So the next question is simply that. What do we need to let go of? And it's not a fun question. None of us like to think about the things we need to remove from our lives. It's way more fun to think about all the stuff that we could add. See, in this last season of being like a forced introvert by COVID, which is not fun at all because I'm very extroverted, I often couldn't stop thinking about all the things I was going to do once we were out of quarantine. But then someone challenged me with a simple word spoken. It was simply, what parts of your pre-quarantine life are even worth going back to? And I was like, dang, that's a challenge. There's some stuff that I was spending so much time and effort on before quarantine that I probably don't need to go back to. It's not about adding. It's about what had been subtracted and how that was going to actually be a benefit. I think that we can all agree that this last season wasn't ideal, but it gave us the opportunity to assess. And some of us did, and some of us still are, and some of us still haven't, but we still can. What do do we need to let go of? What do we need to not start back up or or we need to stop doing altogether? There are things in our lives that we need to let go go of. It might be a job. It might be a relationship. It might be a habit. It might be an addiction. But there are things that we need to let go of to step into what Jesus has for us. You see, Jesus completely understood the concept of addition by subtraction. Subtract what is holding you back, and you will add everything. Subtract what is holding you back, and you will add eternal life. Subtract what is holding you back, and Jesus will show you everything that you could ever need or ever want. I want to look at verses 26 and 27 again, and then I just want to ask one final question. So verses 26 and 27 says, that set the disciples back on their heels. Then who has any chance at all? They asked. Jesus was blunt. No chance at all if you think you can pull it off by yourself. Every chance in the world if you let God do it. So last question this week is, am I striving or am I surrendering? We have to ask ourselves if we are just trying harder or if we're actually giving over our mess to Jesus. Jesus wasn't just saying drop it and run away from it as fast as you can. And I think it's important that we recognize that there was an actionable step that Jesus called him to do. It wasn't about just walking away from his wealth. It was about intentionally handing it over. 
So as we wrap up this week, my hope is that we aren't just thinking about the areas of our lives where we need to put in the hypothetical attic where we're like, well, I'm, I'm going to store it up there. And then if I need to go back to that relationship or, or back to that habit or back to that addiction, like I'll, I'll, I know where it's at. Like I can go get it. See, the reason that Jesus wanted him to take an actionable step is because if we just walk away from it, we can just as easily walk back to it. We have to surrender it. We have to give it up. And I think we need to take some actionable, intentional steps of surrender. And it starts by, by inviting Jesus right into the middle of that which is holding us back. To say, Jesus, I cannot do this on my own. I need supernatural courage. I need supernatural strength. I need patience. I need all of these things. Jesus, I need you right in the middle of my mess, and I need to hand those things to you before I can follow you. And the second thing we need to do is just invite others, pe- other people into the middle of it too. Accountability changes everything. I don't know what your life has looked like, but there are significant struggles in my life that I've had for a really long time. And I didn't get to deal with those things until I let other people help me deal with those things and until we collectively invited Jesus into our individual and collective mess. That's what community is all about. That's what accountability is all about. Jesus knows that we accumulate crap. Our friends know that we accumulate crap. And we have every every opportunity to let go of those things on a regular basis and follow him. But we're going to need help. Surrender isn't a singular action. It's a posture. It's not about a moment. It's about our lifetime. We cannot look at surrender as like, oh, I did that that one time and there it goes. No, it's about posturing ourselves for our entire lives. In, in a moment, it, it just becomes this, this thing, but in a lifetime, it becomes everything. I want to end with this quote from a woman named Michelle Myers. And she says, striving is about me and what I want. Surrendered effort is about God and what he wants. See, surrendered effort isn't a void of ambition. It's just a refocus of our ambition from ourselves to his kingdom. We're no longer striving for the things of this world, but we're ambitious with an eternal perspective. Surrendered effort. I love that she says that. Surrendered effort. That sounds like something that I want to have on a daily basis. And I think it's something that we as a collective community can lean into and say, hey, it's surrendered effort. We're not, we're not void of ambition. We just know that, that me trying harder isn't going to get me anywhere. I'm going to surrender it to Jesus all the time. Hey, thank you so much for tuning into the College Age Movement podcast this week. We hope that you guys are so well. If you're in Billings, we would love to see you in person as a part of our community. If you're not comfortable with that yet, check out everything that we have online. If you're not in Billings, come visit us. And until then, engage with us in every way possible through all of our online avenues and let us know if there's anything that we can be doing for you. We love you guys and we will talk to you very soon.